Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed by women. I have to do my Oprah every time. <laughs> <laughs> Which proves that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the ever-lovely, ever-wonderful, the one and only Ariel. Oh, thank you. Hi. Hi. How have you been? How are things in uh, in the darkness? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's a trying time right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Things are hard, but I um I had a few hours actually to myself this afternoon. Ooh, so what I are made you my... famous? Are you aristocracy? <laughs> <laughs> so I I made some brownies and watched Murder She Wrote, and it was pretty great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the dream. I mean, not very exciting, but it was great. <laughs> No, that sounds, I mean, it just sounds like having a moment of not, I have to do something. Uh, uh, yeah. Just to turn your brain off sounds magic to me. Yeah. Also, oh my God, I want a brownie really bad now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Good, good, good. Well, I'm glad to know that you're doing okay. I'm, I'm also doing okay. I'm still, <laughs> you know, giving self-care by way of video games and, and hanging out and just getting through it. Just getting through it. And the moments, yeah. and honestly, podcasting and watching these horror movies is another great way to kill some time uh, in the core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's been kind of a lifeline. Yeah, which is funny because we pick the grimmest movies to watch. I know we really do. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think we'd want to start like a rom com podcast. Never, honestly, <laughs> that would dark me out so much more. I cannot watch romantic comedies. Oh, that's right. I always forget that you hate them. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so dead inside. I can't help it. <laughs> I just don't romance just no it's a no it's a no for me dog I can't do it we're at a part in the books that we're reading on the cast of Ka where it's all very much a love story and I'm just like uh. <laughs> let's start killing we gotta start with the killing <laughs> oh, but yeah what are you gonna do <laughs> anywho good news is we will not be talking about romance tonight that is not the kind of movie that we will be reviewing no there is no love story to be had i'm <laughs> delighted to report we're going to be reviewing a little movie called the deeper you dig directed by toby poser and her husband john adams yeah that's one of the few little details i know about the behind the scenes so i'm very very excited <laughs> to hear more about how this all went down now before we get too much further though can you do me a favor and let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is yeah we spoil everything and this movie there's no way to even vaguely talk about it i no. feel like without spoiling the whole damn thing yeah so, it's on shutter though so yeah. go put it in your eyeballs and come back it's 90 minutes long go for it then you can come and we will discuss because yeah i agree we can't not spoil this one but honestly even if there's ways not to spoil it we always do so you know. <laughs> i mean i guess technically you could but we cannot talk <laughs> yeah. about this emphasis on the we <laughs> all right awesome so tell me a little bit about toby and you know production details all the stuff that we always do yeah, so this movie came out earlier this year, and it was directed by Toby Poser, like you said, and her husband, John Adams. So I'm going to first start talking about Toby, and then I'll go into a little more about how they work together. So Toby Poser went to Tulane University, and she got her BFA in acting, and then she moved to New York and started acting in off-Broadway plays. And then in the 90s, she spent three years working on a soap opera called Guiding Light. What? 
Yeah. <laughs> that shocks me. They seem so crunchy. You know what I mean? Like I totally little... agree. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> so she played a character called Amanda Spaulding, who apparently was a madam. And oh. kind of a, a little bit of a villainous character. And she was quoted in an interview as saying, if you're going to be on a soap, you want to be the bad girl. Oh, for sure. Of course. Apparently, it was a lot of fun, she said, playing this character. That's awesome. And then after that, she acted in an episode of all three of the main Law & Order shows. Oh. She was in an episode of Sex in the City, and Ooh. she did a ton of voice acting, including, I guess she was a voice in the progressive ads with Flo. Oh, You know, those really popular ones? Yeah. <laughs> That's, do you happen to know which Sex in the City episode it was? I think it was like a baby shower one. Okay. Is it the one where the chick gets naked and she's like, you want to see my boobs? Oh, God. It might be. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so she moved to LA with her husband after he got a job on a reality TV show. But that job ended and Poser was having a really hard time finding work as an actor. She was in her late 30s at this point and just felt like all the work was kind of drying up. Right. And she was getting very frustrated. So yeah. her husband suggested she write her own script. So she did. And then they bought an old RV and took their kids, who were 6 and 11 at the time, out of school. And they drove around the United States for a year filming a feature film. What? And then released it. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was the start of their production company that's called Wonder Wheel Productions, and they have now created five feature-length films as a family, including The Deeper You Dig, which is the latest one. So freaking cool. So as far as her being frustrated about the work drying up, I read this interview she did with Sci-Fi Wire, and in it she said, I quote, I've been able to play a bunch of different roles, but nothing quite as grungy as this. She's talking Mm. about The Deeper You Dig. I actually like in our films to be the antithesis of something glamorous. It's important for me to represent women who look like me. If I were out there in the casting world, I would probably be limited in what I could play. But with our films, I can do whatever the fuck I want. If anything, (laughs) I want to embrace my wrinkles, my gray, and I'm lucky that I can do that in our films. I can portray people who look just like me. That's so interesting because I did think her hair is glorious. Yes, And she has this mane uh and it's almost like glows with all of her salt and pepper hair and i realized how rare that is to ever (laughs) see on screen and it was so visually compelling because on one hand it was so totally unique to see in on a tv screen and yet so totally normal Right. Yeah. In life. Exactly. And and the same thing goes for her, both her and her husband. There are lines on their faces, but instead of, you know, making them not look like movie stars or whatever, it just it humanized them and also made their faces so much more interesting than the just total smooth, right, emotionless putty faces that are becoming the norm. And like, don't get me wrong, if I could afford it, I'd probably have a putty face too. <laughs> but at the same time, I had a total appreciation for their faces. So it's interesting that that's something she really... Because, yeah, there is no glamorizing shots and angles. It's no, very there's frank no filters in the way being it depicts to, like, snow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. So they do everything when they're making their movies. They write them and they direct them, but they also operate the cameras. They mix the sound. They compose the score. They do all the editing. Basically, everything that has to be done in the movie, they do themselves. And the really cool thing is that they have two daughters, Zelda and Lulu, and they also play really major roles in making their movies. 
one of the things I thought was pretty cute too in one of the interviews that I watched where they were doing interviews at all the festival circuit they said that the as a family they try to watch a new movie every night and then they study it and try to apply it to what they're doing that's so cool it's so interesting because I knew they were a family that's one of the few things you always see about this movie is like it's a low budget movie made by a family that's actually pretty good you know yeah and so I knew that going in and so watching how everything plays out in the back of my mind there's always a sort of push and pull about what I'm seeing on screen and also wondering about what it must have been like to make this movie considering how they interact with each other in terms of the violence and right and you know how raw was, it is you see, yeah. Like, yeah 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 so it just kind of added this interesting interesting dynamic and layer to the viewing experience yeah I totally agree so the deeper you dig is their fifth feature film and they shot it in their home in the Catskills and it was shot over the course of a year. So their youngest daughter, Zelda, is actually credited as a co-cinematographer and assistant director on this movie. And she and her dad took turns operating the camera as well. Lulu, their oldest daughter, has been a part of all of their previous productions, but she was actually studying abroad in France, so she couldn't be a part of this one. And the two parents star in the movie, but so does Zelda, the daughter. They had two other people work on this film for makeup and visual effects, but literally everything else they did themselves. That's amazing. That is incredible. <laughs> I know. I know. John Adams does the score, right? Yes. Oh, it's so good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they were talking about how this works really well for them to do it all in-house. One, because it keeps the cost really low, obviously, because they're not hiring all of these people to do different things. But also, because they all live together, they can utilize time, like they were saying, driving their daughter to soccer practice or at dinner to talk over the next day's filming. So like any problems they're having or any ideas that they have going forward, they discuss it all. And then when they actually go to film it, they're all already kind of on the same page because of that. And then after they've filmed something, they'll go home and they'll edit it. And if they're not happy with it, they can go back and reshoot it because, again, they're doing all of it themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, do they finance it as well or do they? You know what? I couldn't find that. I'm not sure, actually. That's a that's a good question. I mean, it's very clear that this is a micro budget. Yes. um, And that is not a negative in any way. But I I would imagine if they're financing themselves, they're really kind of only limited by their own resources. Yeah. So most of the articles that I read listed it as being a tiny micro budget movie. But on Letterboxd's website, they have it listed as the three of them, the mother, father, and daughter, making this movie for $11,000. Whoa! <laughs> Which is such a teeny tiny amount of money that it's almost unreal that you could make something like this on that amount. But That is amazing. I mean, I guess if you're doing it all, you're not yeah. charging for anything. I mean, they're not taking into account, unless they're giving themselves salaries, they're not taking into account... I guess you that's know, true. Right? Labor they don't even costs have to pay themselves. Yeah, right. Probably the most expensive thing is the equipment, and if they own the equipment, yeah. Although the movie looks good, so it's not like they're doing some rinky dinky, you know. Yeah, they're not using a little camcorder here. So wow, that is incredible. It's so impressive. I always there's something about people who make films on micro budgets and produce something of quality that always impressed me, right? Because it's a reminder that great storytelling is more important than a budget. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. 
because it is super impressive what a lot of these directors that we've been watching have been able to do with such small budgets. Right. I imagine if they get through some money at them. Yeah. What would they produce if they threw some money at them? Oh, I, I would love to find out. Would you? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I tried to find out what they're making next because they kept hinting in interviews that they're working on a new project, but haven't said what are. it is. And it's not on IMDb, but I'm hoping it's something horror related or adjacent right. because they did such a good job. So we'll see. You said this is their fifth movie. Do you, ha yeah. do you happen to know what genre their other movies were? Mostly dramas. Okay. Mostly dramas. Yeah. This one definitely has drama to it. Yeah, and I was absolutely. a little worried at first that it was going to be more drama forward but as the movie goes on as we'll get into i don't think that's true. right <laughs> yeah i had a moment like that too about 15 minutes into the movie i was kind of like huh maybe yeah. i didn't pick the right one is this going to be a drama with a ghost yeah like, is this going to be low budget what's the one where the ghost watches her family after she dies she's been raped and murdered by that serial killer how do I not know what you're talking it, about? It was a best-selling book and Peter Jackson directed it. Wait, is that, are you talking about the Lovely Bones? Yes! I okay. thought maybe this was going to be like low-budget Lovely Bones. <laughs> oh no. That'd and be I awful. was like, ruh, row. But yeah, I'm also like, hey, you know, there's no guarantees. <laughs> We're picking these sight unseen. Yeah. Some of them are, not all of them are going to be winners. So when it started to get wacky, which I know I'm getting ahead of us, I was like, yes. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So the last thing I wanted to say is just that I watched a bunch of interviews that they gave at the different film festivals that they went to. And the thing that really struck me as being pretty cool is that they have this young daughter who's still a teenager who really participated in the making of this movie, not just acting in it, but they credited her with the cinematography. It was really her vision. They talked about how she has a more modern eye than they do. So they rely on her a lot to kind of bring that youth energy into the oh, production. Cool. And one of the cool things was all of these interviews that they gave, they gave them all three of them together. And they really let her have a voice and talk about the movies. And it seemed wow. like there was a lot of respect there, treating her like she was an equal creative partner in the process. That is so cool. Yeah, they seem like really cool parents. They do seem like they'd be very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that they were a family, I was kind of just looking at them and be like, what is this family dynamic like? And that's why I was saying I thought they were a little crunchier because I kind of got this. Yes. Former hippie punk kind of vibe from it them does a feel bit. that way. Yeah, okay, so it's not just me. All right, good, good, good. Because I could totally picture them living in Berkeley. You know what I right. mean? Right. Yes, they would fit in perfectly. Right, and yeah. I mean that in the best way. Yeah. yeah. Because Berkeley is pretty rad. I mean, it's got its problems, but it's pretty rad. <laughs> and then the last thing that I thought was funny, one of the interviewers was asking them about whether they sat in on the movie when it was playing at the festival, uh -huh. and Zelda, the daughter, was. Like, well, I couldn't because I'm not old enough. What? <laughs> She's under 18, so they wouldn't let her watch any of the movies at the festival. <laughs> Holy shit, are you serious? Not even their own movie? You're right, not even her own movie. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert, I think she's seen <laughs> it, you guys. Right. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. Ah, so cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for researching that. As always, it was fascinating, and I always feel like I end up whether i like a movie or don't like a movie just knowing what went into it always makes me interested in it in a way that i wouldn't be normally yeah know? the creative process is really interesting and i have a lot more respect for what these people do and you really read about what goes into it all right before we get into our review uh, i have a little synopsis for you sound good yeah 
All right, awesome. Okay, so in The Deeper You Dig, Ivy and her daughter Echo live in a rural town, I guess in upstate New York, perhaps? Yes. And they are not your typical mother-daughter duo. Ivy is an intuitive psychic who has kind of turned her back on her gift and is now basically making her money as a phony fortune teller, bilking, you know widows out of money yeah. who want to talk to their their dead husbands and whatnot echo is also kind of a little bit of an odd bodkin she's very into old-timey music and she's got a very gothy vibe and but their dynamic is really sweet they clearly are very close and so it's very unfortunate when echo decides to ignore her mother's wishes and sneak out and go sledding at night because it just so happens at that same time, their new neighbor, Kurt, who is maybe had a few too many drinks, is heading home and he dodges some deer that run out of the road and misses that Echo has accidentally gone out into the road herself and runs over her. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. rather than go to the police, call ambulance, whatever the case may be, we don't really know anything about Kurt. So maybe there's a reason. I'm guessing maybe he just didn't want to get stuck, you know drunk driving he decides instead of calling for an ambulance he takes her home to dispose of the body realizes she's not fully dead yet takes care of that which is a really weird scene between father and daughter <laughs> <laughs> and he buries her thinking you know problem solved but the problem is that echo she doesn't really want to stay in the ground so much and so she begins haunting him insisting that he confess to her murder at the same time Ivy is using her skills as a psychic to find out what happened to her daughter and things get real weird. Yes, they do. <laughs> so yeah, that's without giving away the ending. That is my synopsis for the deeper you dig. All right. Nice. So like I said, we love all the background stuff. We love all of the production information and understanding the filmmakers. But the question is, do we like the film itself? Da, 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 da. So <laughs> I'm going to start with you, Ariel. What did you think of The Deeper You Dig? So like I said a few minutes ago, I had questions in the beginning whether this was going to be another situation kind of like The Other Lamb where it wasn't really horror and it was more yeah. a drama. Yeah. But this ended up really surprising me. And a few minutes later, I was totally on board and I ended up really liking this movie. I wonder if there's something about this again i hate this phrase but elevated horror where horror movies kind of ride this line of drama and horror that yeah there's almost a marketing aspect of it where they're like okay this is a dark drama we're gonna call this horror now yeah it does kind of feel like that happens sometimes and then you can be disappointed because it doesn't really fit into the genre you thought it did right so for instance you and i keep track of all the horror movies we watch all year and there are multiple places where you're like this is not a horror movie <laughs> I know. this is not a horror movie and i appreciate the, that information but i just realized i'm like is this something i'm just noticing now because it occurred to me and you know you notice something and then you notice it everywhere or is this actually a trend that's happening in a horror where everything that is kind of remotely spooky or or depressing drama is now considered horror yeah it really feels that way i'm not sure though i don't know just something to think about or maybe it's just because there's no blockbusters so we're, <laughs> we're watching all of these things that were always fringe and we're just exposed to them now i don't know yeah and as i mentioned earlier i was so relieved when this started getting strange because i was like no don't be a depressing drama i want horror oh no this is horror this is definitely horror <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like you, I really like this. I mean, I don't know if you really liked it. I really like yeah. this movie. 
Yeah, me too. Much more than I was expecting to. And I think it's because the plot really was nothing like I had anticipated. You know, I wasn't expecting how strange and how mystical it was going to get. I was expecting something a little more forlorn and, you know, sad with a little bit of a supernatural edge to it. The The screenshot I had seen is the shot where they're in the woods and Ivy is sitting on a log and Echo is sort of floating behind her. And I was like, oh, God, oh, she's watching okay. her. That's where I got that lovely Bones vibe from. Gotcha. Yeah. So... I was really excited when this thing went really, really left. I kind of, throughout the entire movie, after those first early sort of setup beats, I never really knew where this movie was going. There's some plot beats that happen later in the film that do kind of fit the formula, but how we got there and how we resolve and the end of this movie were so outside of what I was expecting that I really, I felt like it was interesting and fresh and compelling and definitely impressive for a micro budget film right yeah i really expected this to be like you said kind of a drama with some maybe ghost elements or possession elements and there is some of that but it's yeah. done in such a new different way that it yeah it felt really fresh and really interesting and it kept me hooked the whole time and i didn't expect it to go where it did yeah like right. that ending was really interesting to me is that a happy ending i don't know right. <laughs> i don't know man yeah i think the stuff with echo and kurt is fairly not formulaic but more in the vein of what I expected. It's the addition of all the stuff with Ivy that I really, because that's where all the really amazing visual stuff comes from too, is her storyline. She is a unique character we're not used to seeing. And the way that that stuff is all presented is really interesting and different. All of that just really kind of caught me off guard in the best way possible. I completely agree. And I think one of the things that's so great about it, too, is that there's all this sort of interesting supernatural stuff happening and these surrealistic dream sequences. But all the performances are so naturalistic that mm -hmm. it kept it feeling really real and grounded when the like the emotional through line really carried through the whole movie. Definitely. Even in the first few minutes of the movie, there's this really easy back and forth between the mother and the daughter, which I mean, makes sense because they are mother and daughter. Right. Um, right. That helps. <laughs> but there's like this sort of natural quietness to the way that everybody's acting that I think works really well in this mm -hmm. film. Really well. It also, the fact that it's shot in such stark winter time for yes. most of the movie. Yeah. And there's these big open areas because they're up in the mountains. It gave it a little bit of that kind of Fargo feel. Yes. Know? Yes. I agree with you. I also have in my notes, we already talked about this a little bit, but just how real everybody looks in this movie. Across the board, everybody yeah. feels like they're very real people and they look like real people. There's nobody who's overly made up, who's styled in any kind of way. Right. Everybody's wearing super normal clothing that, you know, average people wear. And that made it feel really real, too. You feel like they cast locals, which they probably did. You know, yeah. they shot it in their hometown on their own. You know what I mean? So I assume they're not getting professional actors. And on one hand, you do feel it a little bit in some of the side characters. I think right. the three main characters all give really great performances. The side characters feel a little acty-acty. But the trade-off of that is that they look like real people in their town. Because... 
like I said, I would not be surprised if they weren't right real yeah. people. They were someone they knew, like the barmaid at their local favorite pub, or you know, someone they know from around town to would come play a cop. You know, because I don't even think they have uniforms on. No, they don't, because they were detectives, so they're not even right. wearing like cop uniforms. So as far as the acting, I, I agree with you, especially with those three characters. I thought that those performances were really strong. And what's so interesting, again, the fact that they have these true real life relationships translates into some really interesting chemistry in this movie. The mother daughter dynamic feels really interesting. But to me, what was extra interesting was the yeah. was the Kurt and Ivy dynamic, because there is a chemistry and a spark between them that comes from their real life relationship, but it adds kind of an interesting dynamic to their back and forth. Now, I know some of the things like Kurt being excited to go hunting with them is supposed to be that sense of Ivy coming through, right? That enthusiasm, echo. To, or yeah. sorry, yeah, echo coming through, that enthusiasm because she loves to hunt, but it also almost plays like a little bit romantic mm. which is strange considering yeah. the dynamic that there's also all this suspicion and normally you would think kurt would be trying to do a little more self-preservation but the influence of echo causes him to be drawn to ivy but then there is something about their chemistry that almost goes into this romantic realm yeah that just makes everything feel even more off kilter and a little less predictable and a little more fraught in a way that adds to the tension. Yeah. Because you can see echo kind of taking over a little bit more and a little bit more. And so he wants to spend more time with Ivy because of that. And it does mm -hmm. feel, yeah, a little bit romantic and almost date like in a way. Right. Almost in another world, they could have got together. Right. Exactly. And, and it's confusing. It's so confusing, yeah. but and a cool. I wasn't expecting to see this kind of way. The best I can describe this is a sort of like the Clarice Hannibal Lecter thing where you're like, this is not, mm. this is bad. This is bad. This can't be. But there's such electric chemistry between the two characters that you're like, but could it? But could it? Is there <laughs> yeah. a version of this movie where this happens? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Definitely not. But. I, for that moment, when he's so excited to go get his gun, when he finds out she has tags, you're just like, what's happening here? What what is what am yeah. I feeling in this scene? Yeah. Yeah. Even when they're having Coco together, yeah. you can feel kind of an energy between them sitting at that table. Man, this movie made me want to drink Coco so <laughs> bad. It looks so good with those homemade marshmallows. Yes. Oh, look good. <laughs> One of the other things I really liked is that there is kind of a weird humor to this movie, too especially yes. in Echo kind of slowly taking over. There's the scene where he goes to the sort of quickie mart kind of place and gets yeah. coffee and he gets her kind of coffee that she likes and the, the way he smiles at it. cheesecake coffee or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the way he kind of smiles like, oh, I'm getting away with something now. I can drink it. My mom told me no before, but I can drink it now. And he's like, mm. Yeah. One of the other ones that actually made me laugh was the scene where he uses the bathroom at Ivy's house. Right. And he goes to pee and then like can't pee standing up because Ivy's, you know, in the driver's seat then. 
Yes. And so he sits down to use the bathroom, pees, and then goes to grab toilet paper. Yeah, you know what? I had not put that together. That's that explains. I was like, why is he grabbing toilet paper? Yeah, and, and he I was just like, like, I guess I'm gonna learn something paper. new about boys in the bathroom. But <laughs> obviously, that's about Ivy. That's so interesting. Yeah, because he kind of looks at it and then just realizes, oh, I don't need this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then when he leaves, he goes and he puts the toilet seat up. Right kind of cover up for yeah it. that it was a, a dude that was in here yeah <laughs> oh my gosh see there's so many little subtle things like that i mean there's some bigger ones when he says fuck homework or right you know he says things that directly echo has said but there are a lot of subtle things too i kind of almost want to go back and rewatch it and see what Me other too. little clues are there of when ivy is taking control but you're right i love the dynamic between him and her where she's teasing him i'm as real as i am dead or i'm not in your head yet you know there's a power dynamic that's happening there that's really interesting. I don't know. And I also feel like everybody reacts in a way that is non-formulaic to things. Yeah. Yeah, that's We've a good way to put it. We've seen this story play out, many versions of this story right. play out. And every time you think you know how someone is going to behave, it's not that they behave in an unrealistic way. It's that they just behave in a way that is counter to the formula, which makes it interesting and unpredictable. I found this movie unpredictable. I guess that's the thing that I'm just so in love with it about. Oh, in love with it for about love with it about it. I don't know. Words are hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought the pacing of this, I've seen it described as slow. Okay. And I think you could argue that it is a slow burn. But yeah. For those people who are not patient with slow burn, I actually would still recommend this movie because I think it's so visually unique. Yeah, something's always happening on screen. Right. And it sort of distracts from the pace. Yeah. Because there's always something sort of odd or off kilter that it's always compelling even when there's no sort of momentum to the plot, when it's just kind of taking a moment to breathe. It's doing something so weird that you're like, yes, I would like to continue watching this. Right, right. And, you know, considering that this thing was made on a micro budget, it's even more impressive. There are a couple of moments in the movie where you get some CGI and maybe it's not the best CGI you've ever seen. It's not the worst either. But most of what they're doing visually does not rely on CGI. It's all in-camera tricks. That found myself kind of marveling at the way that they used the tools at their disposal with playing with focus and lighting and angles to just kind of create a very strange, almost nightmarish tableau that was surreal and very, very cool to look at. Yeah, I really appreciated how in some of the dream sequences or whatever they, I don't know even what you would call those because they're not really dreams, but those more surrealistic scenes where everything is black and just the faces of the characters are lit up. I thought Mm -hmm. that was really interesting and probably Mm -hmm. a pretty cheap thing you can do that was very effective. Also, I really loved all of the stuff with him burying and reburying the body. Yeah, That was all very interesting. And I thought that him cutting up the body, they pulled the camera away at the right times and showed you just enough of it so that you knew what was happening. And it looked good. What they showed you looked really good. It was really tight editing. Yeah. Yeah. Very tight editing. They also did this thing where when he was dragging the body out to the woods, I think he did that twice. Yes. I know. They shot through the window of the house. 
there was something about that that made it feel even more chilling and unsettling. Like you could be somebody in that house watching this killer remove a body. Yeah. There was something, I, I don't know. It's like, that was such an easy thing for them to do, but it really worked for me. Also, I don't know what prop they're using. I don't know if there was actually somebody in that tarp, but the way that the body moves as it's going through the puddles and across the bumps and stuff, doesn't it does not look like a prop. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It had the weight and the movement that it made it feel very real. And just something about the way everything is lit and and shot made it it feel like you were just watching somebody actually do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And when he's just tearing pieces of the wall out so he can dump the tub he killed her in. Yeah. It's like, oh, this man is coming apart. Because, I mean, it's very understated, but he, we're literally watching him kind of lose his mind. Right. In a way that never feels hyperbolic or melodramatic. It's like a very quiet madness. I don't know. It's really well done. <laughs> it's unsettling and it has a very kind of telltale heart thing going on. Yes, I wrote there. the same thing. It's kind of this interesting twist on the telltale heart. But instead of the killer, you know, being consumed by guilt and forced to confess, he's just consumed. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the moral of that is basically, you know, a guilty conscience can drive you insane. And this one, there's kind of no coming back you've crossed that line and the only form of justice that you're gonna get is you know if you take a life you're gonna lose your life not like oh we're gonna kill you we're gonna literally take your life yes (laughs) very (laughs) literally (laughs) interesting little twisty twist yeah Yeah, totally one of the other things that i thought looked really cool in it was the scene where he gets out of the shower and he barfs up maggots oh my god i've blocked that out you're so right it is (laughs) horrifying i don't know how they did that if they got actual maggots i think that that had to be i think it had to be and when he like because when he scoops them onto his hand and they're still wiggling and then when he fills it with water and they're still kind of moving in the water that i think that was the real deal I think so, too, because it definitely wasn't CGI, and they looked very real. Ooh, it was upsetting. It was so Yeah, and then when he's, like, after he's barfed it all up, and he starts scrubbing his mouth with his finger, you know, trying to find if there's any more in it. Oh, Yes. Ooh, it's so freaking gross, dude. Yeah. But it's such a great representation of her basically solely embodying his body. Yeah. Oh, it's so upsetting. Last time I saw something this upsetting was... Earlier this year when we watched, uh, what was the, oh, Sea Fever, and the guy's head exploded and it was right the maggots. Yes. Oh, that was so good. (laughs) I know, it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this movie looks really great. There are a couple shots that are a little, you know, there's one that's out of focus and I was just kind of like, ooh, that's a bummer. Yeah, why didn't you fix that? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. otherwise, I would say that this movie looks really great. We've talked about the way that they play with the camera and do all kinds of cool stuff. But part of it is just these beautiful sort of panning shots mm-hmm. over this very, you know, snow, snowy hills and in the woods. You know, it's very rural setting. And it's just so stark and atmospheric. It just lends itself to looking good. And I feel like they took full advantage of that, you know. And it's this wonderful setting right or background to these really gruesome things that they kind of create i'm thinking about the first ring vision where she's being fed the snake yes oh my god (laughs) that was really cool 
Yeah, I really loved all of the weird visions. If anything, I wish there were more of them. I would have loved to go even deeper into all the Seven Rings stuff. Right, if they had added maybe 20 minutes to this movie and she had had somebody to talk to about that stuff and had some more visions, I think that would have been really cool. I mean, I I appreciate movies that are only 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. Too, yeah. But I don't need I do 20 think more minutes, but I would take maybe five. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, but I also love how she woke up out of them, too. Like yeah. the time she woke up in the river or the time she woke up right outside the subway. I thought that was really interesting. And the way they yes. cut it was really effective. Yes. Oh, my God. When she's giving the, the clown seance. Yes. Oh, my that God. That was fascinating. Fascinating. And that's the thing is what I'm saying is I've seen surreal stuff. I And normally it doesn't really work for me that much. I think uh-huh. But there was something lo-fi about the surrealism in this that made it really land. And also just her talking to herself as a clown was wild. And the weird voice. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, you know, maybe some of it's just the comfort you have amongst your family. But the uninhibited way that she performs these roles and the choices that she's making are really compelling. And uh, yeah, like I feel like come from a place of being totally comfortable and and feeling safe to just make strange choices yeah definitely i thought the fight scene at the end was also really interesting too yeah yeah how so just because there's something really raw about it the way they're grappling Mm -hmm. with each other gotcha i kind of felt like uh, i could feel the punches being pulled yeah i guess that's true it's not as violent as it could have been but i mean I was looking for things that I didn't like about the movie. You don't need to have some cons. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. There's, it's not bad. But if we're like looking for places where maybe it didn't quite click for me is they went really gruesome. They went really life or death and kind of fighting dirty. All of that stuff for me worked. I just felt a little bit in the same way that I felt about Blackrock last time that I could feel them pulling their punches a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't quite as intense as what the scene called for. They maybe needed a stunt coordinator to help them out a little. It just felt a little like play fighting. And I get yeah. it. You don't want to hurt your wife. Like, <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. I just wish there was some way they could have tricked the camera to make it look a little, or, or with sound effects or something. Mm-hmm. With the way yeah, that it was I edited. Something that made it feel a little bit more like when she was kicking him, she was kicking him. Or when he was choking her, he was choking her. I don't know. I don't know, but maybe I'm a sicko, so, and this was the better choice. (laughs) I just think overall, too, there's something really compelling. It's about a mother who's coming to terms with the loss of her daughter because she knows right away that her daughter is dead and at the same time has to come to terms with the fact that her daughter is now inhabiting the body of her killer and she has to learn how to accept that. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting idea. And look into the face every day of the yeah. man that took her daughter from her. Right, exactly. Oof, that is what. What did you think? Okay, so I have that the end was totally fucked up. <laughs> what did you think of the end? Yeah, it is really fucked up, but yeah. I really liked it. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It begs the question did they really win? You know, she's like, we won. And mm. she has that, her voice, but coming out of the face of, right. of Kurt. It's yeah, just... I mean, it kind of seemed like she had completely taken over at that point, but has she really? And for how long, you know? 
and usually these movies end with you know mom gets justice and then the daughter's free to move off onto behind the veil and off to heaven or whatever that's not this movie (laughs) this movie did not go that direction and i have a lot of respect for it for doing so i was kind of like i didn't know this was on the menu i'm so glad we ordered this (laughs) (laughs) so um in one of the interviews i watched poser said that while she was writing the script for this movie, she was actually struggling with cancer. Oh, no. So, yeah, but she said that writing it was really helpful for her. In some ways, it helped give her closure, but also a way to distract herself while she was getting through it. Mm -hmm. And she said that while she was writing it, she kept kind of comparing her situation with what was happening in the story that she was writing. So she said that, because of the cancer, she had to lose some of her reproductive function. And she was struggling with learning to accept that change in her body, learning to accept her new scars and kind of move forward. And that for her, that kind of mirrored a little bit what was happening in the movie. Do we know what's going on in terms of her cancer? Is she in remission? or It sounds she... like it. Okay, that's yeah. Good. But she said that it, it really mirrored for her, like having to accept those scars and the loss of the reproduction mirrored Oof. having to accept the loss of her daughter and accept the face of her killer. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. That just added like a whole another level. Yeah. <laughs> that is intense. Mm. So good. All right. I think overall we liked this quite a bit, but did you have any cons or things that maybe you wish they had done a little differently? I overall really love this movie. I have a couple of tiny, like nitpicky things. Yeah. Nitpick. nitpick. <laughs> okay, so one of the sort of running motifs throughout the movie is this music that keeps playing on repeat, this old timey music. Yeah. And it keeps coming out of the radio and he keeps trying to get it to stop, but it won't. And it's music that Echo we saw listening to when she was alive. Yeah. I think they could have maybe done without that. It's a little bit predictable. Like we've seen that in so many horror movies over the years that Uh it didn't, that I didn't think worked that well for me. It wasn't maybe as spooky as I felt like they wanted it to be. Right. And the score is so solid. It really is. You really didn't need it. Yeah. I I agree with that. I could agree with that. It's also not that pleasant to listen to. (laughs) So I was kind of like, turn the channel. (laughs) He was trying to. I know. I know that. But that's a personal preference. But yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. (laughs) Can you guess what my major con with this movie is? So the next one on my list, I think, is probably your top one. (laughs) Too many animal carcasses. (laughs) Dude, too many animal carcasses that look super real and probably were. Very real. I mean, fortunately, they didn't kill any animals on screen, but at the same time, there's a lot of dead, rotting animals, a lot of dead, rotting animal parts. I mean, I get it because I do think that it it does lend this idea of death and decay and there is something unsettling and kind of spooky about it. But I do feel like we've watched a lot of movies this year with dead animals. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if maybe it's just me infecting your brain with my dead animal hate and you're just like, now you're just like, dead animals Seeing everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, I just, yeah, it was the fifth time I was like, and that's enough. I remember you sent me a message like, by the way, dead deer at blah, blah. I was like, so many dead animals. <laughs> yeah. I was already, you were already past you, me. And I was like, just 
brace yourself. I mean, on one hand, that table scene where she's getting fed the snake and there's all the dead animals. That was powerful. It was. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that was enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't also need the weird animal part downstairs and the dead right. deer. Because the problem, here's here's the problem. When there's a dead animal on screen, I have to look away. And I want to look at the screen. Gotcha. I didn't want to miss out on what was happening. But if it's just full of dead animals, I have to look away. Okay. Yeah. I don't have to look away. I find it upsetting. But for me, mostly what I find upsetting in movies is when I see live animals killed. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that even more. (laughs) That's a turn turn away and turn the volume off situation. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. You and I talked about Becky, the movie that came out earlier this year. Yeah, I didn't like that part. The dog stuff in that really was, yeah, that wasn't cool. So this didn't have that element, but it is sort of like, okay, I think I've seen enough. I felt the same way about the other lamb. Stop showing me dead baby lambs. Like, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I know, Hollywood, are you listening? Enough, <laughs> enough, enough. <laughs> oh, Any other cons? The one other thing I would say is there is this one scene when Kurt is standing in the old house by himself mm-hmm. and I think he's naked and you just see his silhouette and he's talking to himself both in his own voice and as echo back and forth yeah it's a really powerful scene but I felt like it could have been spookier I don't think he acted it as well as he could have I feel bad okay. saying that because I think he's so strong throughout the entire movie but this one scene I felt like really could have given me chills if he had just gone a little bit further with it. Yeah. I, I don't know if that. you remember that one. I but. do remember it. I'm I'm trying. And the truth is, I don't remember it in detail, which I think yeah. is a little telling. I think that's the scene where he ends up throwing up the, the maggots too, right? No, that's when he gets out of the shower earlier in the movie. Okay. Okay. It's hard to, it's hard to, I mean, God, there's so many weird things. There <laughs> really are. <laughs> All right. So overall, let's, let's give our overall thoughts. Would you recommend? Did you like it? Yeah, I would totally recommend. This is a great movie. I think if you like horror movies at all, this is worth seeing. Uh, Me too. Me too. It's on Shudder. It's 90 minutes. Yeah. I've seen so many other movies this year that I would would much rather watch this than that. I I think this is probably going to make the lower half of my top 10 this year. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think it was real, real good. Matilda, one of our co-hosts on The Zombie Girls, always, when she's making her top 10 list at the end of the year, is which are the movies that I'm going to remember? And this, I feel like, really hits that criteria because it's just so unique. I think there are a lot of scenes in this that are going to stick with you. And the other thing is, is I'm coming away from this just absolutely excited to see whatever they do next especially if they stay in the horror genre because I'm super compelled by their story and then they back it up by making something really cool and interesting and I would love to see them do more horror. Yeah, I agree. And they're all strong actors too and they act in all of the movies. So I would definitely be looking forward to seeing more of them. Very cool. All right. So for those of you at home, if you are enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. And if you want to get in touch with us, even better, you can drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight or this weekend or whenever it is that you're listening to this, because this is not a live show, so choose Thank your God. own adventure. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're not sure what to watch? Well, don't worry, because we did the homework for you. Head over to the Zombie Girls website and check out our horror VOD calendar, where we have all the stuff that's coming out on streaming and on video on demand in the horror and sort of horror adjacent genres. And let me tell you, it's October right now. 
VOD is popping. There's so much stuff that's out this month. It's honestly hard to keep track of it all. You could easily miss something, and you don't want to do that. It's our spooky season. This is our time of year. So (laughs) good thing for you. I've got it all located in one easy-to-digest place over on the Zombie Girls website. So come check it out. All right. So I guess that just leaves our plans for the next episode. Yeah, I'm super curious to know what you picked. I was really not sure what I was going to pick. And then something came out this week on Video on Demand. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. This is going to be it. Okay. So I picked a movie called 12 Hour Shift. Have you heard of this? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad because I was thinking maybe I'd watch it this weekend. Oh, I'm so glad yeah, brainwave, brainwave. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is directed by Bria Grant, who is an actor that I recognize. I don't know off the top of my head what I recognize her from yet. I will research that and we'll find out on the next episode. And here is the synopsis. Bodies start to pile up when a drug user nurse, a drug user nurse, that's a weird way of putting it, (laughs) and her cousin try to find a replacement kidney for an organ trafficker. Yeah, it sounds good. Part of why I was interested in this, even before I realized that it was woman directed, was I really, really like the cast, specifically Angela Bettis, who is always so delightfully weird. Even though she's not always in great stuff, she's always great in the bad stuff, you know? Yep. So it's her and David Arquette. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize he was in it. Yeah, cool. So that should be interesting. This is going to be two David Arquettes, not in a row, but recently. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Which is a twisty twist I did not see coming for this podcast. (laughs) That it was going to be David Arquette heavy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I'm excited you're excited because supposedly it's fun, which I think, you know, it's good to mix in a good, fun, gruesome We need it. Yeah, agreed. 2020, we deserve deserve some fun. (laughs) We deserve some fun. All right, awesome. So with that, I guess it's time for you to take us out. All right. Well, you've been listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Thanks for being here, and we'll catch you next time in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye, everybody.